0: You're listening to a sermon from Lowcountry Community Church. We pray God uses it to help you grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like more resources or to give to our ministry, please visit our website at lowcountrycc.org. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our weekly uploads. Well, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a bucket list? A bucket list? Uh, If you don't know what a bucket list is, it's a list that people make of things they want to do before they what? What? Kick the bucket. Uh, Two services ago, one lady yelled out, "Die!" And I, yeah, die. But we wanted to say, "Kick the bucket." She was just angry. I don't know what was going on with her. Uh, And that term, uh, the bucket list term, has been around for a while, but it was popularized uh, with with a movie regarding two terminally ill men who go on a road trip. To fulfill their bucket list, and they end up riding motorcycles on the Great Wall of China and skydiving and all kinds of other, other crazy things. I asked a few friends uh, to share with me items on their bucket list, and uh, here's what some of them said. One said or a couple of them said, we'd like to go to Ireland, we'd like to make a trip to Ireland. Uh, others said, like to go to the Masters Golf Tournament. Uh, more, than, more than a few said, skydive. Now, how many of you have skydiving on your bucket list? What is wrong with you people? Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I I hope you do it, and I hope you're around to tell us all about it. Uh, Another said, I'd like to visit the seven wonders of the world. I said, oh, that's really interesting. What are the seven wonders of the world? They didn't really know, so... uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Some said visit the Holy Land, but not right now. Uh, This one was, I thought, really, really sweet. They said, I'd like to be financially able to randomly walk up to a perfect stranger and pay off his or her financial debt and just watch the relief overcome them. Uh, That would be a pretty, pretty special thing to be able to do. Another person said attend a World Cup final. And uh, one, one person said, go on an adventure cruise. I said, what's an adventure cruise? Well, it's just like every other cruise, but every port of call, you get off and you do some kind of high intensity uh, adventure, you know, something a, a little bit crazy. And uh, I was thinking about that last one, the adventure cruise. And I, I wonder if, because uh, I, I want to tell you a true story in just a second, but I, I wonder if that adventure cruise was on the bucket list. Of the adventurers who sailed in 1607 from England to establish the colony of Jamestown in what is now Virginia. It was the first English settlement in America. And I'd like to tell you a true story about that. You know, thinking back in school, I think most of us were taught, if we were taught about Jamestown, but what we were taught is that 104 English men and boys, led by Captain John Smith, they came across, it took them about five months to cross, from England to America, on three ships, the Susan Constant, the Discovery, and the Godspeed. And they had been sent to the New World by the Virginia Company of London, whose stockholders hoped to make a good bit of money, a lot of profit, from the resources of the new world. And they were, of course, hoping to discover, most of all, gold and silver. What else do the history books teach us about all of this? Well, we know that they were five months at sea before they reached the Chesapeake Bay. We know that they were 17 days traversing the James River, looking upon a site for their settlement, and the one they chose wasn't really a good choice. The location was low and swampy. The food supply was limited. The drinking water was brackish. Uh, Malaria struck. Horrific weather struck. Native Americans struck, uh, often with good reason. Very quickly, there grew a love-hate relationship between the colonists and an empire of 30 tribes comprised of about 15,000 people overseen by Chief Powhatan, who was known as the Chief Of chiefs. If I'd have seen him, I'd have never got off the ship. I'll tell you. For the colonists, the whole thing was ridiculously difficult, and they seemed ridiculously ill prepared. But were we ever taught the real trouble and the real reason which almost caused the whole enterprise? to be abandoned and them not even make it six months because they had nothing but problems. Jamestown colony was just months old and they were in real trouble. Captain Smith had the primary problem pegged precisely. I'll give you a dollar if you can say that five times a row without any mistakes. His company, he wrote back in we have this in his words. He said, my company is comprised of gentlemen adventurers and they're temperamentally ill-prepared for the adversity that we are faced with. And so when the three ships returned to England with some of the resources from America, whatever they'd been able to put together to send back over there, the ships also carry some letters from Captain Smith to the to the sponsors of the Virginia Colony of London and one of the letters he writes these words send me some men send carpenters and blacksmiths and masons i need hard working artisans i would rather have a handful of those than a thousand like those i have he's in trouble about 4 months later the ship good speed brought, among other things, six broad-shouldered workmen to Jamestown. Workmen. They were a rescue party. They were probably indentured servants. So in order to to pay for their transport to America, they agreed to work for the Virginia company there in Jamestown for a set number of years, and that would be their trade-off. And so axes slung over their shoulders. The new men followed Captain Smith into the forest in search of a more suitable area, looking for a place to clear. And within three weeks, within three weeks, a plot had been cleared and a furnace erected. And the workmen tapped into the pine trees and began distilling tar and pitch and resin and turpentine. And it was the first factory in the new world. The rescue party then proceeded to set up a sawmill, and by November of 1608, a little more than a month after those six workmen had arrived in Jamestown, the other colonists became inspired by their splendid example, and they rolled up their sleeves, and they really entered entered into the hard work. According to Captain Smith, the first English foothold in the New World was saved, specifically saved. By six able men. And we know that two of them. On two separate occasions. Saved Captain Smith's life. Because of them. The English colony made it through. That first winter. And we know who they were. We know their names. Their names were Mikhail Lewicki. Zbigniew Stefanski. Mata, Jan Bogdan. Karol uh, Zrenika, Stanislaw Sadowski. The six men who rescued the English settlement of Jamestown, the six enthusiastic hard workers 12 years before the Mayflower landed, were all Polish. I never knew that. And in that true story, we have six persons from an unexpected place men you have likely never heard of until moments ago who showed up and did for others what they could not do for themselves and saved their lives. And it is right at that point that Christmas becomes very real to us. We we are, as men and women, boys and girls, as human beings, we are in desperate need of someone to show up for us. We need rescuing, and we need saving, and we can't do it on our own. And despite our best efforts, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. The Bible's incredibly clear on that. And if we are to be saved, salvation has to come from somewhere else, from an outside source. And that's the true meaning of Christmas. And that's the reason long, long ago, a babe was born in Bethlehem remember, Beverly just read us the passage of this Christmas story. One of those verses in Luke two eleven says, Today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's what, that, that statement is what historians call a royal birth announcement. And it, it was a big deal. And, and that culture back then, it's a big deal in our culture today. When, when a baby is born, it's a big deal. Parents and grandparents... We'll send cards, hire a photographer, post pics on social media. Look, they're so cute. They're so lovely. We're so blessed, et cetera, et cetera. You've seen it. And I wonder how many of you would agree with me that even the gender reveal thing has gotten a bit out of hand lately. Would anybody agree? (laughs) For those of you who are younger, let me tell you what it was like back in the olden days, a gender reveal hey, we, we hear y'all are having a baby. Congratulations. Thank you. We're so excited. Well, what are you having? We're having a boy. Congratulations. That was the entire gender reveal right there. Nowadays, parents hire blue angel fighter jets to fly over their backyard and drop blue or pink powder uh, telling you which gender the baby is, and they're hoping the powder doesn't fall down on their guests, assembled in the lawn, eating a catered meal. That's how it goes now. It's a big deal. But even in the ancient world, the announcement of the birth of a king was a big deal. A royal decree would go out to every town and village and city and hamlet throughout the kingdom, announcing the arrival of the king. And that's exactly what we see here in Luke's gospel in chapter 2, verse 11. Look at it again with me. Today, in the city of David, what's that mean, the city of David? Well, it's Bethlehem. Why is it called the city of David? It's because Bethlehem was the very hometown of the greatest Jewish king that ever lived, King David. And the announcement says, an even greater king than him has come. Right there in the city of David. There has been born for you. I sometimes like to look at what the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say has been born for you all. It doesn't say if you're from New Jersey, has been born for yous. It's singular. And if you forgive me, the I don't mean it to be impertinent, but if I could point at you for a second, it means... Today in the city of David has been born for you, and you 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 has he come for everyone? Of course he has, but he's come also for you. And it says who he is a savior. What's that mean? He specifically come to save you from your sins. To save us from our sins. Who is Christ? Jesus Christ. Now Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. And it means the anointed one. So a savior, the one whom God has anointed, has come for you. And then it says Christ the Lord. That means he is over everything. He is over all. He is king of kings. He is Lord of Lords. And the Bible explains this in various ways. Let me just give you a very brief sample of how the Bible describes what happened. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then to Titus, Paul, the apostle writes this, God has shown us, I love this. God has shown us undeserved grace by coming to save all people. That includes you. In Galatians, we read, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In Philippians, we read, oh, this is incredible. Though he, Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. To Timothy, Paul wrote, Christ was revealed in a human body. And again, in John's gospel, the word became a human being and lived here with us. Theologians have a big word for all of this. It's, the word is incarnation. Incarnation. And that word simply means that God came to earth and shared our humanity. Jesus experienced what you experience. He, feels, he felt all the emotions that you feel. You stubbed your toe on a rock, so did Jesus. You got hungry, so did he. You having a big Christmas meal tonight? I'm looking forward to some pizza. That's what we're having. We're so excited. But he was hungry. He grew tired. He knows what it what was to, to, to need sleep and so forth. Because he became one of us. And I guess we could say like this the infinite became finite, the immortal became mortal, the creator became like the created. The almighty God lived in a teenager's womb, the omnipotent became a helpless baby, deity wrapped in rags. The king of the universe, born in a stable, laid in a feeding trough. That's the incarnation. Sometimes we have a season where we feel completely alone and it seems like there's no hope when suddenly, when we least expect it, when we're discouraged, when we're in trouble and when we need help, when we need someone from the outside to come in and save us, God breaks through and the angels start singing. They bring good news from the other side. Good news of great joy. The best news our world has ever heard. And we sing it at this time of year. And you've been hearing this song since the day after Halloween. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, what? Receive her king. Jesus Christ showed up. A little bit unexpectedly. Sure didn't expect him to arrive like that. Did what we could not do for ourselves by dying on the cross in our place and brought salvation to us as a free gift, the free gift of eternal life. You say free. Well, it is free, eternal life, but it costs Jesus everything, but he now offers it freely to us. He's placed himself, you see, front and center of us. And so I want to invite you this Christmas to put Jesus front and center in your own life. For some of us, it's time to stop ignoring him and pretending like he's not really there because he is really there. And for others of us, it means to center our lives around him. For others of us, it might mean that this Christmas is time to refocus our lives around him. Say, well, how do I do that? You you just talk to him. You speak to him. It's called prayer. What do I say? How about something like this? Lord, I, I want you in charge of my life. I, I've, done a, I've done a real number, and it, it's, it's, it's messed up. You know, we hear people sometimes referred to as down, they're down and out. There's a lot of up and out people around here too. And we've messed it up. And that's what you tell him, Lord, I, I've messed up, and I, I agree with it. The Bible calls our mess up sin. And sin separated us from God. It, it caused this great chasm between us and God. And Jesus came to be the bridge and put us back in right relationship with God the Father again. That's why he came. And you just tell him that. You ask for his forgiveness. And you ask him to come into your life and be your Lord and be your Savior. And then you talk to him every day. And, and you read his word, the Bible. You, you know, at our church here, we're, we're studying what he said every weekend, and we'd love to have you be a part of that with us. You remember what Captain Smith said? Send me some men, some carpenters, some blacksmiths and masons. I need hardworking artisans. I would rather have a handful of those than a thousand like those I have. God didn't need to send a team of people to save us. He sent one, his one and only Son. And he is all we need, he's enough. And so if you'd like to tell Jesus some of all of that right now, like, you know, Lord, I'd, li- I'd like to, I-, I-, I want you as my leader, my, the guide of my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sin, to become my friend, my guide, my savior. Uh, I, I want to enter into a personal relationship with you. I invite you to pray with me in just a second. So here's how I'd like to close my time with you this afternoon. Be with a prayer. And it's a prayer that says all that I've just said. And I'll pray it out loud, and then I'll pause after each phrase, and I'll give you time to repeat it. Now, you don't have to repeat it out loud. You can just repeat that prayer in the quietness of your own heart. And after we pray the prayer, I'm going to ask you, if you pray with me, to light your candle and hold it up real high, because I would, I'm going to ask you for a Christmas gift. And the gift I would love to receive is the honor of praying for you. Now, when you raise your candle up, here's what I promise. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to I'm not, not gonna ask you to come down here to the front and sing a solo of Oh Holy Night in front of everyone. I promise you that will not happen. You'll stay right where you are. But I'd love to pray for you. Let's, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you'd like to pray that prayer and ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray with me, a phrase at a time. Dear Lord Jesus. I agree with you that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you came to earth born as a baby in Bethlehem to ultimately die on a cross for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead on the third day to save me. You did for me what i cannot do for myself and so right now i turn from my sins and i turn completely to you and i invite you to become my lord and my savior please take up residence within me i trust you now i follow you now as my lord and savior Thank you for making me and thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you light your candle and hold it up real high? Go ahead, get them up. Look around. Wow. Thank God. Praise God for that. Would you just keep them up for a second and would you give me the honor of praying a prayer over you? Okay, if you'll keep them lit and just lower them and let me pray. Father, I thank you for these dear ones who have just said, Jesus, I I want you in my life and I'm seeking your forgiveness and I want to become a follower. I'm so grateful for the way you work in our lives. Each person here has a story. And they've invited you to be a major part of that story just now. I pray that you through your spirit would help them to know that they know that they know that they are a child of God. That they have been welcomed into the kingdom. And that even in these moments, angels, the Bible tells us angels in heaven are rejoicing over even one sinner who repents. And we rejoice right along with them. Would you keep them from the schemes of the evil one? And may they love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for what you have done for us all. Through Christ we pray. And God's people said, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me on your way out of the building today, uh, there's a, you'll see a white tent. And if you would just do me this favor, because I want you so much to have this gift from us, It's just say to the people out there, hey, I prayed with Pastor Jeff. They've got a box for you. And inside the box is a brand new Bible for you and a small book that I wrote, especially for you to help get you started on your new journey of faith. God bless you. All right, let's all turn our candles on. And then let's all stand together as our worship team leads us in our last song.